You're listening to the Homegrown Faith Podcast. I'm Joe Clark, and I'm chatting with my fellow pastor and friend, Richard Sweatman, about God, the Bible, and life lived growing our faith in Jesus. This podcast is coming to you from Hunter Bible Church in Newcastle. Hey there, Joe. How are you doing today? I am very well, thank you, brother. And you? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. That's good. What's been uh, happening in your world? <laughs> well, I was thinking about talking about something else this morning and then something very funny happened. I have been wondering about this for years and my questions have been answered. Mm. So um, <laughs> there's this roadworks happening right outside my house today and um, I hope you can't hear them. But um, the man standing basically at the end of my driveway was on his two-way, his walkie-talkie and manning the stop um, slow sign, right? So he's yeah. managing traffic because it's gone down to one lane. One lane. And I have always wondered what the system is as traffic controllers talk to each other because they seem to be chatting to each other a lot. And I've always wondered because I used to play this game with myself, another game, a guessing game, where mm. I'd be driving along the highway and I'd have to guess the make and model of the car just from the front grill as far off as I could. So I'd be mm. like, oh, that's a Mitsubishi Lancer, Lancer mm. or oh, that's a Kia Sorento. And I had this thought in my head that maybe traffic controllers are really good at that game. And maybe they're just saying that to each other. They're like, oh, watch for the the green Mitsubishi Lancer. And they all just like, no blink, just know what it is kind of thing. I'm amazed. I also wonder what they say. So I'm very yes. curious. So here is the substance of what they say. I thought it would be totally systemic, like four cars for you, four cars for, for the next person, because they've got three people on the radio, a guy, a girl, and another guy. So obviously they've yeah. got three roads they're managing three inputs. Um, I thought it would be totally like just rigid. No, it's not. It's very dynamic. So they're like, <laughs> yeah, I've still got a couple. How many have you got? And they're all chit-chatting quite a lot. Like they're talking constantly. And they're yeah. like, yep, yep, copy that, copy that. And then they're, oh, yeah, mate, nope, they're all through. Push them through, push them through. And so <laughs> and, and then the classic phrase was, I'll get rid of them here, then you get rid of them there. And I'm like, oh, they're getting rid of cars. Oh, this yeah. is so great. And you know what? The funny thing was what I had hoped was that they were playing this game of Mitsubishi Lancer, four cars through, then they like rigidly stop because they're on their fourth car. Yeah. It's actually way more loving than that in that it's like fully dynamic. If if they can let more people through quickly, they will. Yeah. And so yeah. I just, you know, amidst that, they were chatting about other things, the oh, yeah. weather, the floods, yeah. things like that. Yeah, and, really? Um, yeah. Oh, I, w I was thinking this is a role for an extrovert. <laughs> that's great. I like the way that they've they're able to do this quite organically and yeah. just chat. It does look a bit lonely um, when I see them, yeah, um, standing with the sign. But mm. if if they've got someone to chat to or two people to chat to, yeah, it I seemed quite. Um, they were having a laugh at one point. I, thought, oh, <laughs> I wonder what they're laughing about. I want to be part of it. <laughs> Did they ever comment on the cars? Like say, "Whoa, got to check. You got to check out the." Oh, no. 350Z coming through. No, they didn't seem interested in the kind of vehicle, just <laughs> getting them through quickly or, you know, oh, I've got a big, I've got a big load here. And they'd be like, yeah, push them through, yeah. push them through. And I'd be like, oh, okay, right. So their, jo their job is to get people as efficiently through their point mm. as possible. Yeah. And the, the guy standing at the end of my driveway was obviously the leader of the three. Yeah, and so he would be like, oh, yep, do this, do that, do this. And I'd be like, oh, okay, right, right. How do you think you'd go at that job, Joe? Oh, probably not good. <laughs> I'm not good under pressure. I'm going to be honest. I get flapped very easily. <laughs> yes. You? What do you reckon? You'd feel the pressure. 
Yeah. 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 Do, you, uh, do you feel the pressure? I, I think I'd be overconfident to start and then I'd stuff it up and send, have two cars just on their way to each other and I'd be like, oh, no, this is too much. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, well, so that's been my morning. What about you? Yeah. Great experience. Well, I thought I'd share with you that um, for the first time, I've had experience with um, virtual reality last weekend. Um, my, we were visiting my father-in-law, my in-laws, and he received a one of these Oculus virtual reality things from his son, my brother-in-law, who's, um, you know, it's very hard to buy for my father, like my mm. father-in-law. He run, knows, people have similar experiences, but, but mm. my brother-in-law bought him quite an expensive oculus thing which are those goggles it's kind of owned by facebook meta and um we um thankfully andy was there to set it up with uh, grandpa so that that took the most (laughs) of the day um myself nobody wanted to do the hard work of setting it up but um eventually got set it up and we bought a little game called um walkabout mini golf so it's a mini golf thing okay and um yeah that was an experience like i'll tell you have you done vi- virtual reality no never before never yeah, before. yeah I'm, I'm not like i've been massively curious or anything but i thought oh here we go here's an opportunity so you put the goggles on they kind of fit round, and there's a glasses thing so even if you've got glasses you could wear them yeah and um you kind of point you're holding these little handle things and you kind of point around or pull a trigger and you can open up this game and you're okay. sort of transported into the an an island where there's mini golf and you look, you kind of stand there within your little restrictions and yep. you can look around and there's a waterfall and there's a mini golf and you look down at your feet and there's a little ball there and you, oh. you lean down and you swing your arms holding the little handles as if it was yep. a golf club yeah, and, and off it sort of goes. And so. Um, so you're playing with your whole body because you're holding things that are feeding back to the system well just your your hands yeah yeah right the interesting things were um uh well at one point i accidentally hit my ball (laughs) so i was (laughs) turning around trying to just orientate myself and i looked down and i sort of tapped the ball away and there's no like reverse hang on that was a mistake you know my score (laughs) suddenly uh is suddenly yeah i was gone funny and there's a little moments where it was like the virtual reality wasn't working, like your, your backswing would go through a rock or something. <laughs> you'd be standing on a waterfall to play your shot. And, um, and uh, the graphics were good. You did feel kind of virtual reality, but they were definitely kind of cartoony sort of um, yeah, trees right. and waterfalls and things. Right. Um, so I completed the game, got a little bit into it, at, uh, and felt slightly nauseous for the, for the next two hours. <laughs> Just the whole experience. So uh, how does it compare? Because I kind of picture it as almost just like Wii, you know, when you're holding your Wii, like the yeah, Wii controller in your of, hand. I haven't played much Wii either. But, okay, um, right. Yeah, it, 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 it feels this mixture of when it sort of feels like we're, we're almost there. This is convicting, but, yeah, not quite. So yeah, um, right. it was fun to experience. I wouldn't, you know, be going back there at all costs. But uh, <laughs> You're not going to go run out and buy one and I'm use not going to run out and buy regularly. one, but uh, virtual <laughs> reality is there. It's happening. It's only going to get better and so on. Yeah. But, uh, oh, yeah. Fascinating. So um, from virtual reality to more deeper reality. Oh, the, excellent segue. Well the done. Word, the word of God. <laughs> the word of God, Joe. What have you been that was reading? Good. Well, I have been victorious. I have finished Leviticus and I tell you, that has been a slog. <laughs> Um, but I have discovered a way to engage with well Leviticus done. that well I done. 
yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I'm like, oh, this is this is good. So I've finished Leviticus, and I'm very excited to have done that because it has been a slog of yeah, discipline. Well done, Joe. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But I have I feel like I've unlocked something this time as I've read Leviticus, mm. um, which has been really important, which is Leviticus chapter 26. Maybe you already know about this, but I feel like Leviticus 26, if you get Leviticus 26, you kind of get Leviticus. Okay. Have you ever thought of this before? Or is no, this... I'm, I explain, okay. expand. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, there's so much of Leviticus that I'm, as I'm reading it, I'm getting either bored or a little bit confused. Mm-hmm. Things like the skin diseases and the mildew and the whatnot. And there's occasional hints of why is God giving this to us? He's giving this to us to show us he is Yahweh. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he is holy and he wants our people to be, his people to be holy in terms of his, his um, chosen people. And so he's talking to Moses on Mount Sinai, giving this law to try and show them who he is and who he wants them to be. Yeah. But that is so patchy and the overwhelming experience I have as I've read it is this is just perplexing to me. It's very, very detailed. How would this have looked in life? And then I go back to, oh, actually, this is what obedience to God looks like, doing it God's way. But then I read Leviticus 26, and I can't read the whole of it to us, of course, but um, Mm -hmm. a few key verses I think that stood out to me uh, would be from verse 1. Do not make idols for yourselves, set up a carved image or sacred pillar for yourselves, or place a sculpted stone in your land or bow down to it, for I am Yahweh your God. You must keep my Sabbaths and revere my sanctuary. I am Yahweh. And then it goes on from verse 3 to say, if you follow my statutes and fully observe my commands, blah, 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 blah. This is what will happen. Mm-hmm. And it's it's blessing. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. he, in verse 9 he says, and with these blessings I, I will turn to you, make you fruitful and multiply you and confirm my covenant with you. Mm-hmm. And I thought that language of I will turn to you is really significant it's the Mm -hmm. he's giving he's giving gifts he's giving blessing but he's also it's such a relationship thing um going on right now but if they reject the lord and from verse 14 but also earlier um he will reject them and he will hand them over essentially to their rebellion and their sin yeah and it seems so basic and so obvious um but then but i think what Leviticus 26 does, as I've read it, and it, it finishes with this lovely reminder that he will keep his covenant. The Lord will, Yahweh will keep his covenant even if they are unfaithful. He will be, he will be faithful. Mm. I think what it did for me was made me think whenever I'm reading a, this bit of law, even if I don't understand it, what is God's desire for the listener mm. to the law? It's that they see him as holy and that they relate with him and understand that he is a bl- god of blessing. Yeah. And he wants to to bless his people, he wants to love his people and that that that's part of who he is. Yeah. And um when everything felt so onerous to read it and it, the law seems so onerous to remember God's character was just a good reminder to me. Yeah. I love the way that um You've, you're letting the scripture itself transform your Bible reading experience. Yeah. Um, to place all those laws in a context of, um, yeah, it's not not random laws coming in from a random direction about yeah detail insignificant details. It, it's, yeah. it's really in the context of a relationship. Yes, and it did it did have I had moments where I, I thought 
if someone was to really apply this law, particularly the skin, infectious skin diseases, mm. basically the priest becomes a dermatologist. Like it's, it's quite intense. And I'm like sitting there thinking, if you, if you had um, some random boil on your skin, you'd be like, oh, no, can I hide it? Because you just wouldn't want to obey. And then I thought, wait, that's exactly the point of the law. It's to say <laughs> yes. God is God. He decides how my life should go. And yeah. I have to submit to him even if I get a boil on my skin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the spirit of Leviticus. Yeah, just that enthusiastic obedience. But I love what yeah. you're saying there about God loves to bless and that's his inclination to bless. And yeah. I think the, that's the, helpful for us today. Even. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, we see it in Jesus, of course, and we look forward to heaven or this ultimate blessing of just us being with, with him and but I was reminded and quite rebuked actually because there have been times I've, as I've read it, I've been like, ugh, this, is, this seems onerous. Um, so anyway, anyway, what about you, brother? Yeah, what have you been reading? Oh, well, I've um, yeah, been reading a book called The Intellectuals uh, by uh, Paul Johnson. And um, I heard about this uh, book just from a podcast with Philip Jensen chatting to Tony Payne. And I thought, mm. oh, that sounds a bit interesting. And hmm. uh, basically what it is, it's by Paul Johnson's, he's a, it's a few years old now, 1988, but he's an English mm -hmm. journalist, author, historian, don't really know much. But mm -hmm. um, uh, what he's done is kind of look at um, some famous intellectuals and uh, their lives and stuff. And um, I'll just read the, the quote. He says, this, um, this book is a, an examination of the moral and judgmental credentials of certain leading intellectuals to give advice to humanity on how to conduct its affairs. So Ooh. it's kind of fun. He defines intellectuals as kind of people who who happy to disregard tradition and authorities and, and religion or whatever and okay. just say, I, I think I've worked out how life works and this is what we need to do. This is what yep. individuals need to do to thrive. This is how communities need to work and so on. Um, and he uh, mentions people like uh, Rousseau, uh, Karl Marx, Jean-Paul Sartre, Tolstoy, um, yeah, so not all the names on his list I knew about, but some of them, are, you know, are quite famous. Mm. And um, what he does is actually uh, kind of just show that their lives were really not all that great. <laughs> um, <laughs> he casts off sympathetically. He says he, he's, he expressed himself very clearly or had, these people had great ideas uh, or were very persuasive, um, mm. quite, quite mm. inspiring. Mm. Um, they that Sometimes they worked hard and so on. But... Um, uh, in all these examples, they're like have terrible relationships and are quite mean to people, and mm. like don't pay their don't pay their tradesmen for their for the work they've Your done. Bills. Or, oh yes, um, or leave their children at orphanages and and have nothing to do with them. And so and um, I just so a couple of little quotes here. One on John Jacques Rousseau, who's a famous um, uh, a famous French um, philosopher, right? French philosopher. Yes, mm. um, he said, uh, Rousseau believed he had a unique love for humanity and had been endowed with unprecedented gifts and ins insights to increase its felicity. That means happiness. An mm. astonishing number of people in his own day and since have taken him at his own valuation. And, <laughs> and then he does go on to comment on uh, uh, what something about um, Rousseau, but uh, he says, uh, but loving as he did humanity in general, he developed, developed a strong propensity for quarrelling with human beings in particular. <laughs> and he gives a few <laughs> examples. Um, 
So look, it's a it's a fun read because I mean it's a bit it's quite sad in a lot of points, but it, it's it's a fun read. And I think what it does is, I don't know if you've ever felt intimidated as a Christian um, by um, oh totally supposedly very clever people um, who have brought great insights that that um, much better than anything of the Christian faith or the Christian story. Um, and uh, but uh, so I've, I've sort of felt that at times a, bit, a little bit intimidated by these great figures. But um, mm. when he actually talks about their lives, um, they, they're, they're not like they're nowhere like Jesus. There's, mm. uh, when Jesus is coming, he tells us, gives us guidance, but from a position of perfection. But yeah, these are people who are not just a bit flawed, but quite deeply flawed. Mm. And um, uh, we, we don't need to feel afraid or intimidated by um, yeah, some of these intellectuals. Mm. That's interesting. Do you think, is it quite, because of the quote you read, I was like, oh, that's quite almost like sassy, like kind of like, oh, come on. Yes. let's. If we're going to say we know how to, if you know know how the world should be li- lived, if yes. things should be done, how does that play out in your life? Is that essentially the book? He is, he is quite yeah. sassy. There's an example yeah. with Karl Marx where he says, Karl Marx didn't actually ever come across a, a worker who wasn't paid in England uh, with one exception, um, one of his female servants. <laughs> <laughs> This poor lady who was never paid for her work, and um, oh, so uh, yeah, gosh. he sassy is the right term. So, mm. Uh, mm. Uh, so yeah, there, th- it's, it's easy to read and interesting. Mm. I'm learning about these people, names I've heard of but don't know heaps of, and yes, a little bit of a confidence builder. Yeah, cool. Oh, I might, I might check that one out. <laughs> well, we should probably wrap up. Um, I, that's an interesting book to consider because I would never pick that kind of book up, but I can see the value of it. And so um, I'd just love to encourage people, if you are enjoying hearing about a books we recommend or different Bible passages, why not um, actually look them up, have a, have a check them out, have a think about reading one of them. If, of course, you might be reading something else at the moment, but Richard and I, we're just kind of keen for active learning. That's what we love, the idea mm. that we'd be all growing together. Would that be a, yeah, that'd be a right yeah. summary, wouldn't it, Richard? Yeah. Yeah, um, totally. Anyway. Yeah. One of the other things that we're part of the Reach Australia Network. And so if you'd like to find, you know, to learn some more perhaps about ministry and ministry practical skills, um, the Reach Australia Network has a range of podcasts you could check out and that would be another way you could do some active learning. But anyway, well, uh, good to chat, Richard. We will talk next week. I'm going to tell you about what I was going to talk about this week, which has to do, <laughs> with, which has to do with my garden and it's going to be good. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to it already. Thanks, Cheryl. Right. I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. See ya. Bye.